Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Jerry Dugan. Jerry is the CEO and senior consultant of Beyond the Rut Impact. And it's a consulting and training company focused on helping leaders to find success on their terms so that they can live fulfilled, meaningful, impactful lives and not lose their faith, their families, or their health. His work experience includes serving in the U.S. Army as a combat medic, corporate training facilitator, and organizational developmental leader. He has led in combat zones and corporate offices, learning the ins and outs for building teams and trust through servant leadership. Since 2015, Jerry has been the host and producer of Beyond the Rut podcast, a show that shares encouraging stories and practical advice to help pull listeners out of their rut and into lives worth living. It's not enough to get out of the rut. He wants you to live beyond the rut. And I love that analogy. During this episode, Jerry shares his story of how he leveraged lessons learned from his own podcast related to the five Fs that he refers to, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibilities, to realize that he was stuck in a toxic work environment and needed to get out of there to save his health, family, life and sanity and marriage. And I think so many of us that can relate to this. He shares so much about strength as a person and as a man and how to be supportive in a relationship and how to work together to elevate the five Fs in all area of your life. He shared an acronym that I've referred to many times on this podcast, and it's the HOLT, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and how these four words can be a trigger to most areas of frustration in our lives. I say trigger, but they're a sign. And sometimes when I'm feeling that frustration, that's exactly, I come back to halt and go, wait, what am I not doing? So I love that he referred back to that. So this is a great episode that's really got you in a space of seeing how can you do things differently and create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career. Welcome to the show today, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I hit I hit record really fast. I'll take a sip of water. This is what's gonna happen. Oh, and I'm on. <laughs> well, this is what I love is that we are not about being perfect here, right? We are about exactly. being real. We're about being real. Awesome. Well, I am thrilled to have you here today. You are a very experienced podcaster. You've been podcasting for a long time. Yes. Uh, I feel old when people call me one of the OGs. I'm like, oh no, I'll start name dropping some OGs. <laughs> like, don't, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> but, uh, I think this is my ninth year in the podcasting space. So I started January 2014 with a family based show. Uh, my daughter was my co host. So oh. she was my original host. She just turned 20. Uh, my little baby girl is now 20 years old. Oh. 
Oh, that now I do feel old. She was yeah. your co-host at the time. I love yes. that. She was like, oh man, I got to do the math now. Let's see, minus fourteen. She was not six. No, nine, nine. Okay, nine. yeah, she was eleven. Okay, yeah, there we go. Math checks out again. I'm like, wait, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you into podcasting so early? Oh man, uh, well, I'm really in. And I'm passionate about you know healthy families, healthy family relationships. Uh, I was a, a relatively new Christian at the time, involved with a marriage ministry, and you know listening to podcasts on Christian family values, that kind of thing. And something that like kind of irked me was, you know, whenever these couples brought their kids on the show, you could tell that the parents were really scripting the kids that it wasn't genuine. It you know, if anything, it would kill some of the credibility that those hosts had with them because I could tell that they were kind of leading their kids to say certain phrases and certain things. And, you know, the kid was really just like, did I, did I say that right, mommy? <laughs> it's like then without saying those exact words. And I, I just thought, I think what we need is, is like somebody dumb enough to get his son on the show who will just let his son ask him anything and whatever comes out of my mouth as the dad, that's it. I'm stuck with it. And that's my true authentic self. And I think that's what Christian men need, Christian dads, Christian husbands, and so on. So I originally pitched this to my son. He was playing video games and uh, he, he was about 13 at the time, 12 going on 13. And he didn't tell me, no, he just looked at my wife and asked, do I have to? And I was like, Oh, my, my hopes for a, the, now my dream only lasted 30 minutes at that time. <laughs> so it wasn't like it was like a lifelong dream to have this. Uh, but it was just so heart, you know, heart wrenching, gut wrenching that my son was like not on board with this. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm not going to force him. And, and I think my wife was about to pressure him to do this. I was like, no, 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 no. It, he's got to want to do this. That's the whole point of this is, uh, that I don't want my kids pressured into saying things or think they have to answer a certain way. So while we're having this discussion, my daughter, comes out of nowhere i'm just like where were you and she's like we can do this and i'm like but it's a father-son show she's like make it a father-daughter show and i'm like but i don't know what to do she's like you got google google stuff and you will be up and running in no time and i'm like but i don't have the equipment she's got you got a phone you record video on there all the time and and audio and i'm like you don't like excuses do you she says no and you don't either now get in the you know, room we're going to record tell me what the show is about again and i told her she goes great um, and then let's change it up. So after I ask you a question that you're not ready for, um, you ask me a question that I'm not ready for, and then that'll be the show. So we'll just take turns one question for another. And I was like, all right, cool. And, um, she nailed me on the very first episode. <laughs> I was like, no, I was not ready for this. And it was like at 11 years old, not just like getting to know her authentic dad, but also like testing my integrity at the same time. And she basically hit me with, uh, you know, calling me out on rage quitting when I play video games with my son. And I was like, yeah, she goes, yeah, you got to stop doing that. And I was like, why did I ask you how I could be a better dad? She goes, I don't know, but she's laughing because she knows. I promise that that's the episode. There's no editing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was like, she was excited. She's like, all right, that's a wrap. Uh, you know how to post it. You've got this thing called hosting. You, you take care of the rest, but I want to, I want to see it when it's done. I want to tell my friends all about it. I'm like, Oh boy. It was. And, and then that inspired my wife to say, Hey, can I be in on this? And we're like, great, we'll do a rotation. So dad's always in the hot seat every episode. And then each week it'll be a different family member. And once my wife did it, my son's like, okay, well, nobody died. Can I be in on this? And so he was always still the reluctant introvert. I mean, all three of them are introverts, but 
my son was the most reluctant, but that show went on for 86 episodes. Uh, nothing too fancy. I think eventually we figured out how to get, you know, some theme music coming in, some theme music coming out. We had a logo that I made from, I think, MS Paint. Um, and it was just like our family silhouettes. And my daughter was in ballet at the time. So she had a tutu on, of course. And then yeah, after 86 episodes, we hung it up because, uh, one, my son was in middle school and he didn't want to anymore. Uh, so that, that took out a third of the team right there, or a fourth of the team. And then my daughter got really involved with ballet, which meant my wife was now taking Emma to ballet all the time. Uh, so it was pretty much just me. Like, do I do a solo episode? How do I do this? And, uh, so along came my friend Brandon, who had this idea to start a podcast, but he didn't know how. Uh, he wanted it to encourage, you know, Christian men who are married. They've got kids. They have everything kind of going for them in life. But it's things that other people told them this is what success looks like. And they feel stuck. They feel like they're kind of just wasting away. They're not really doing or living a life of significance and, and meaning for themselves. They're not having the impact with their families that they want. They're not having the time with their families that they want. Uh, and that there's this like overwhelming pressure to succeed in terms of job title, pay, that kind of thing. And it was taking its toll on these men. So that's how Beyond the Rut was born. And it just the timing was right that my family is fade, like they're pod fading without me. And here's this friend of mine who wants to start a show, but doesn't know how. And my wife and I talked about it. And she's like, Hey, well, it's time to close up shop on family time Q and a and just pour in with Beyond the Rut. Like this, I feel like this is your, your thing. Like this is your message. It's much more on brand. We have fun doing it. We just like seeing you squirm in the hot seat. I'm like, yeah, I could tell. And <laughs> so that, that was the transition from family time Q and a into beyond the rut. Uh, there were three of us, all three of us knew each other from Christian men's ministry. Uh, Sean was the third guy and he faded out uh, within like 16 episodes, just wasn't his thing. And then Brandon and I stuck it out for five years. And then Brandon realized on a Saturday when we're doing batch recording, he'd rather play with his grandkids than hang out with me because he didn't have grandkids when we started yep. and they had them five years later. And I was like, well, the essence of the show is you're choosing family over stuff like this. I'm still on board. I'm about to become an empty nester. I don't have grandkids yet. Can I take over the show? So I took over the show January, 2021. And at that point I realized, oh, I got to learn how to market. I was, I was always the guy in the background making sure that the record button had been hit, uh, that, uh, the, the audio had been edited, posted, all those things. I never had to market the show. And then I realized, oh, I need to do those things. That's my job now. I got to get guests. That's my job now. Uh, oh, I got to pay for this stuff. That's me now. <laughs> so it's like, all these things were hitting me. So 2021 into 2022 was like a big learning curve for me. And, uh, now I'm, I feel like I'm in a groove now. I'm, I'm applying things that I learned over the last two years around marketing, uh, content drip, um, you know, the folks from like cap show, uh, memento, like all these tools have come in and helped me as a, a single show of one act like I've got a team of 10 to 15 people working with me, uh, but at the fraction of the cost. And, you know, of course, eventually, uh, as things get better, I'm gonna have to start really outsourcing to people. So. Yeah, but there's definitely resources available, right? Like that's the, and I agree. When I started in 2017, I literally used my phone and my headphones. I would do it in my car because it was quieter and it was like, I didn't really edit. Um, and it just was, that's where we started. And I'm glad that I did. And I, I think that, you know, it's probably was very good that you started your show when you did the first time, because then you learned a lot of things and you continued. I mean, I think it's less than 3%. 
of podcasts that start make it past episode 21. So even your very first one, you were already in like the 3% of people yes. who's going, right? And I think I've always, that show, I, you know, I structured it pretty easily, like no editing, no scripting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is it. <laughs> uh, you know, coming up with the titles, I guess was a hard thing because we wanted to be creative. We knew nothing about SEO. Uh, I, I didn't know what to put in the show notes. Just, Hey, in this episode, my daughter, you know, called me out for, I don't know, making loud noises when I chew. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, and sometimes when we tackle some th- tough things, I think we brought up bullying once when my son was on, um, and yeah, a couple of things like I think my my daughter was concerned about suicide, not for herself, but she'd been hearing a lot about it uh, when she was about thirteen. So towards the end of the show, she was concerned about it, and she'd hear, I guess, um, you know, just people talking about you know suicide's a sin and these people are going to hell and such a shame like hearing it from like the catholic perspective and and so like bringing that up on the show and i'm like i am woefully unprepared for this conversation how do we navigate this and uh so it was you know that that's probably the hardest conversation i've had on that show um but the most memorable the very first one where she she called me out it was just the the maniacal laugh that she had like she knew she got me it, it was just like in essence, the relationship my daughter and I have had since the day she was born, just that, that playful, I know my dad, I know I'm safe around him, and I know that I can expect the best out of him. And, um, uh, and me just feeling called to do that. Like, you know, she can challenge me and, and that's a good thing. I'm going to, I'm going to push to be the best dad I can for her, mm-hmm. uh, and, and for my son as well. You know, he's just got to speak up more often. So I know when I messed up. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> I, I think it's great because you gave her an environment to be okay to use her voice, to ask questions, to do, you know, I mean, think of how many times that we're not having those open communications with our kids and you want to be able to have a space for people to ask a question about suicide and those difficult topics, because one of the biggest challenges when your kids are younger is just trying to get them to talk. So if you can leave, you know, room and space open, I think that that's awesome because um, you're giving them the space to share like their authentic voice and message and be heard. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it um, it definitely helped me be a better father and husband because, you know, I had to get better at you know, how do I draw them into conversation. My daughter was never a problem in drawing her out into conversation. Uh, my wife, you know, getting us to talk about some deeper stuff when the conversation goes there, uh, that that was also a challenge. You know, just to to be more open about that. Uh, but my son was probably the biggest challenge though, because you know, in middle school, like everything's a one word answer or a grunt. Like, uh. <laughs> like, how do you transcribe that? I don't know. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's a whole episode here on parenting. Because like, all of a sudden they're younger and they're telling you everything. And then as they get that age, it's like, eh, eh, yes, fine, good, like all those things. So it's hard to pull that out. Um, I love it. As you started to develop and you really started to lean into like the title Beyond the Rut, what does it mean to be Beyond the Rut? And I think this is something that I love how you explain. Yeah. Uh, so that title came out after I think two weeks of Brandon, Sean and myself arguing with each other because we were, I think we had like nine months worth of meetings before we decided to actually launch. Uh, and it was always like, well, should the show be about this? Should it be about that? Like, who's our audience? And we were saying the same thing over and over again. Um, and then Brandon just finally said, you know, we want guys to get out of the rut. Like we, we, they feel stuck. And uh, we'd even said, so what is a rut? And it's like, well, it's, 
kind of like if we go by the definition, it's uh, a series of unproductive behaviors that we just keep doing over and over again that get us nowhere. So that's the rut. And Brandon was like, but I don't want just people to like do a bunch of like practical advice tips, get out of that rut and be done. Like they'll just wind up back in a rut. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to, I want them to think beyond that. And we're like, that's it beyond the rut. Like we didn't know yet that this, like the rut is also a hunting term. So we had a lot of friends who hunt told us nothing about this. Uh, They were just like, we thought you were putting together a show about hunting. We're like, you guys are killing us. (laughs) (laughs) Kill us malls. Um, So, but that's how the title came. And uh, we started to look at, you know, how are we told that we're successful in life? We're told we're successful for the boss. We're told we're successful. If we make a lot of money. We buy fancy cars, fancy houses, fancy clothes. Um, you know, any pit bull song or music video, <laughs> like that's the definition of, uh, success. And yeah. we get there and we realize, why does my wife want to leave me? Why do my kids hate me or feel like they can't come to me with anything? Uh, why are people scared of me? And it's like in getting to these symbols of success, we didn't actually build up the things that would really make us successful in life, like relationships, being able to communicate about our feelings. Um, and I, I struggled with that the first, I don't know, 10, 15 years of a 21 year marriage so far. Yep. Um, I don't know how my wife had that patience to, to wait for me to learn <laughs> emotional intelligence, but she did. And uh, she's still here. She still votes me to stick around. I'm like, yes. Amazing. <laughs> it's work. It is it work. Is. There's no question. It's definitely work. But that's like, I love that you're sharing this piece here. So I'm assuming you've gone through a lot of growth personally, just like, I'm not saying only because of the podcast, but because of diving into these topics, mm-hmm. did you change a lot as you, from when you started to who you are today? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know when Olivia and I first got married, yeah, I'd, everybody in my family, especially if you were a man, if you had, if you were just upset about anything, you lashed out angrily. You used words that were loudly shouted out. Um, and that just was like not realizing the impact it has on other people. Uh, so that was like one way that we would express ourselves or you'd be like my dad. You don't express anything. You hold it all in, you bottle it up. Uh, and in my dad's case, uh, my parents divorced because my mom thought my dad did not love her because he never said it. He never expressed any passion or strong feelings about anything. He just kind of went with the flow. And, um, and I was kind of a switch, you know, like most of the time I keep it bottled up and then other times I just kind of blow up and, you know, my wife would have to kind of tell me, and I kind of, she told me like a lot, uh, this is not how we communicate. This is not how adults talk. And I'm like, but this is, and we met in the army. So this was even harder for me to, to grasp because uh, even in the army in the short term, if, if you need to yell at somebody, you do it. And it's referred to as the 32nd blast and uh, not making that connection. You don't do that to your family though. You don't do that to your wife. You don't do that to your kids. Um, and so a lot of our arguments, especially early on, uh, would involve my wife pulling me aside and like firmly telling me, uh, not shouting, but firmly telling me, uh, you need to talk to me. You need to use words. You need to not shout. You need to not cuss. And, uh, and that took years to really sink in and, and start to check myself before those words would come out. Like, mm, oh, I'm about to cuss. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and then on top of that, this is like a few years into our, our marriage when our kids are, are definitely old enough. Like we had, I remember one really loud shouting match. This is before the podcast. Um, and it was such a loud argument. 
I mean, our kids saw the opening of it. They went to their rooms. We went to our room. We got everything resolved. And, and it hit me. I was like, Hey, Liv, thanks for you know walking me through this and navigating this and, and being, you know, brave to, to put up with, you know, my anger. Um, our kids only saw the opening salvo. They didn't see what we just did here. And she's like, cause she'd asked me, what else do you think we need to do? And I was like, I don't want our kids to grow up and go into relationships the way I'm going into relationships. Um, you know, they're like, I think at the time they were like five and seven. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it's, I mean, it a long time ago. <laughs> Jerry's old now. Um, uh, and it's a, the hard thing was to go out there and, you know, my, my wife was like, well, you're the head of the house. Like you're, you know, this is the headship piece. You've got to be the one to lead this. I was like, Oh, you're not going to do it. <laughs> She's like, no, we had that conversation too. So it's like, who brought this whole headship thing? Like I didn't bring that up. Like, and, and there's a story behind that. I really did not bring that up. That was something my wife had learned at a Bible study. She brought it home. This is me like, you know, pulling it at him and blaming her. But, uh, <laughs> like you, I, I, I think that's the point I'm trying to make is it wasn't like I told my wife, you will bow to me. That, that never was. Because that would probably end the podcast right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, It would have ended my marriage back then. (laughs) It's like, wow. I mean, I always get sweaty when, when that word headship comes up. I mean, it, it's something important in our family, uh, but there's so much to it that a lot of people get wrong and and a lot of Christian men get really wrong. Um, So there I am in the living room. My wife calls the kids out of the room. They come out and they're just seeing them like timidly coming out. Now that broke my heart right there. I'm like, wow. I mean, they, they're really scared and they're, they're thinking like I'm leaving and this is at the end of the family. And I'm like, wow, this, this was so not that. Um, and having to tell them, I'm sorry. This is why I was mad. This is where mom and I landed with our discussion. And I want you to know this is not okay. What I did was not okay. And you know, do you forgive me? And I'm bawling my eyes out. And, uh, my, my son just like nods and gives me a hug and I'm bawling even more. And uh, I think Emma hugs me, tells me she loves me. And I think she adds to the, like the fire a little bit. Like, yeah, you're a grown man, dad. Like, How old are you again? Like, <laughs> She's an old soul, isn't she? She's definitely she sounds is. like an old soul. Yeah. We, we took her to a birthday party when she was like seven, dropped her off. We went and you know, did our own thing for a couple hours, picked her up. Turns out for those two hours, she hung out with all the moms, not the other seven-year-olds that she, she knew. And, um, she was asking them some deep questions about like, are you having like lucid dreams in your pregnancy? Like how far along are you? Uh, do you have a name picked out yet? You know, how many kids did you dream of having when you were younger? Like, and, and the mom was just answering these and realized, wait, how old are you again? And she's like, I'm seven. I'm talking to you like you're one of my 30 year old friends here. <laughs> and, uh, th- they realized that, you know, she was a kid just kind of talking to them. So yeah, she's definitely one of those old souls. And, um, so all that to say, yes, um, coming into a relationship, not knowing how to communicate, uh, wanting to do well, <laughs> wanting to be a good dad, a great husband and, uh, you know, failing miserably at it. And, uh, I don't know about failing, but I was not doing yeah, I was what about- I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, right? Cause my, it's, it, it, here's something I wanted to highlight is it's, it's interesting how failing comes out. Like it's in, and I, I don't think that's what you meant, but that's how it comes out. 
And I actually think it's the opposite of failing because, I mean, I grew up in an environment where, I mean, we saw all the fighting, we saw all the things, but no one ever, there was, there was no apology or there was no like explanation or any. And so I think what you're doing in having those open conversations to say, yes, I made mistakes or yes, I've done this. But I'm, I'm ready to own that and to show you that like I'm a human. I think that's it. I think it's really important as a parent is like, I'm, yeah, I made mistakes. I mean, I've said that with my own kids. I made massive mistakes. I can promise you I did the best that I could at the time and that I, I did openly apologize when I made mistakes because I think that that's really, I think that's a good human trait. We don't want them to, we don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes and then be so embarrassed when they make a mistake that they don't even, they hide that too. Like, it's just, that's just not, I don't think that's a very productive human trait. So I think that what you were doing is actually a massive strength personally. Yeah. And I came to embrace it that way too. Um, and oddly enough, it was a lesson that we picked up from the army that, you know, if you mess up, you own it. You're like, yeah, that was me. Uh, this is what happened. This is how I'm fixing it. It happened again and you're held accountable to that like that that's your responsibility to never screw up again uh and you were more respected in the military when you owned the mistake uh you were not so respected when every because everybody knows you messed up like everybody saw it happen everybody sees the evidence right there uh so trying to cover up a mistake and try to you know gaslight people into thinking that somebody else did it or it wasn't me like people know and it degrades trust. And what I found not just in the military, but in, in raising these two kids to be wonderful adults that are way more mature than I was at 20 and 21, um, <laughs> uh, being humble, like realizing I am not perfect. And these kids need to know, we need to set some expectations to know that I am not perfect, that I make mistakes. And, uh, you know, they were fine with it. You know, every time I, I humbly went to them and just told them I messed up. Uh, this is how I messed up. You know, I yelled at you trying to convince you that you made the mistake and everybody knows I made the mistake. And, um, you know, this is, this is not okay. You know, just letting them know like what I did was not, not okay. And it, that one argument was not the one argument. Like there were a lot. We're talking about a decade and some change, if not more. <laughs> and, uh, and every time they, they would say, it's okay, dad. And, uh, you know, if I attempted it again, they're like, Hey, remember the last time you said you would never do this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, there, there was that promise. Okay. Yes. Thank you. And then that's it. Um, and then we had some mentors come along in our lives, Joe and Connie, um, that they would just kind of take a couple under their wing for a year or two and kind of mentor them, share stories with us, learn from us and something they had taught me really helped. And that was, you know, if I'm feeling myself getting angry or upset about something, you know, apply halt right then and there and just ask yourself, am I hungry? Am I angry about something else? Am I feeling lonely and unheard or am I just tired? Mm -hmm. And if it's any one of those things, go take care of that need and then come back to the conversation and finding out that most of the things that would annoy me around my family had nothing to do with anything they had done. And it's just like, oh, wow, you know what? It's six o'clock and I have not eaten breakfast, lunch, or had any snacks. Oh, I'm hangry. Okay. Hey, I'm going to get a Snickers bar. Can we come back and talk about this later? Uh, and sure enough, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was about to really say some dumb things. Uh, or, you know, I'm angry about work. This is something my wife helped me navigate through just recently that, um, you know, I was, I was 
kind of grumpy at home and she clearly saw right through it. Like, Oh, he's angry about work, but when's he going to see this? And I remember being upset at work, but kind of venting and just letting my wife know how the day went. And she's like, maybe you should quit. And I'm like, no, I'm just angry at, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and she talked me through my own like framework of the five F's like, you know, um, your faith is fine, but it's kind of put a strain on the family here. And I'm like, really? And she goes, well, not me, but I don't know if you know this, but our son just asked me a few months back if mom and dad are okay. And I was like, no, why, why do you think that? And, um, she's like, well, he just noticed you were kind of snippy <laughs> when he came to visit. I was like, mm-hmm. oh man. Okay. Well, I'm not, she goes, I know you're not feeling that towards me. I'm like, I know, but he saw that. So a guy from the outside looking in sees that I'm snippy. It's like, okay, something's going on here. And she's like, yeah. And and when Emma first moved up to Dallas, she noticed it too, but now she knows better. She knows like what's going on. Wait, what? My my baby girl saw this too. And nobody said anything to me. She goes, well, I'm telling you now because I think you're ready. I'm like, yeah, I got to quit this job. And that Tuesday was a holiday weekend. That Tuesday I put in my resignation and uh, came home you know, at the end of the day and my wife was like, you seem happy. I'm like, yeah, I turned in my resignation. I was firm. I didn't take, cause leaving there's what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel great about it. And she's like, great. What did your team think? I'm like, well, we all cried at first cause we all loved working together. Um, but they all noticed I had the spring in my step all of a sudden, like the rest of the day, I just like, I was Mr. Happy go lucky. Like I was already gone. <laughs> and, uh, and my wife's like, there we go. I got, you know, and, to hear her say, I got my Jerry back just within weeks of leaving that job. Um, you know, it just goes back to again, halt, uh, you know, being vulnerable to listening to my family, giving me feedback, looking at my life through these five F's faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. And, and really thinking through like, how am I doing in each of these areas? Mm-hmm. And then that lets me decide if the job I'm in, if the field I'm in, the organization I'm in, I, I'm in, if those are still good for me based on how they're impacting these other areas. So. Oh, I love those fives at five F. So faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibilities. Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's really powerful. And, and so it, are they like, you know, so like, would you call them your values? Like your guideposts as, as for making decisions? I, I would definitely say, uh, probably more like pillars in a way. So, I mean, cause they're also in order of priority for me. Uh, you know, anybody's welcome to mix them up, take an F out of there, add an F. Cause I know some people, uh, who podcast do six Fs. I'm like six. I'm like, yeah, you gotta have friends. I'm like, well, I kind of count them as family. <laughs> if, yeah. if you're friends with me, I'm, I'm willing to go above and beyond for you. Uh, and so yeah, in, in a sense, they're, they're kind of like, uh, different buckets of my life. They all are interconnected. So like if my physical health is out of whack, uh, it's either because I eat poorly and, and exercise not at all, or there's something else going on. And in my case, there was a lot of stress. So I was like stress eating and I was uh, so worried about work that I wasn't working out and I was canceling on my buddy. Uh, we would go rucking every morning for years. Um, and I was canceling on him. And so what happens? I threw on 30 pounds. Uh, and so, you know, that was, sort of the symptom was the fitness part of it. But when I dug deeper, it was like, okay, there's, there's a common denominator here that's impacting my physical health and my emotional health. Uh, and because of that impact, I'm not showing up to my family as well as I should be. 
And that's something I pride myself on is let I strive to be the best husband I can be for my wife and the best dad, the most engaged dad I can be. And if I'm not doing that, then something's got to give and it's not my family. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just, yeah. So, so I, I guess a good lens for me to look at life. How am I doing in each of these buckets? And if something's not going the way I want it to, then I start digging a little bit deeper. What's that underlying root cause that's going on? What's going on in my own perce- perception of things? Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I involved with that's not pouring into me the way it should and decide what to do from there? Oh, thank you for sharing that. And I think that it's like for anybody who's listening, it's important to figure out what those pieces are for you because you need the, it's like a navigation system, right? You need that warning that there are times I'll catch myself in a behavior and I'm like, okay, that actually had nothing to do with you, but I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I didn't mean to do, I didn't mean for that to come out. But you're right. The HALT acronym. I actually, somebody shared that with me probably a year ago. I did a full podcast episode on it alone just because I think it's really powerful. It's like, wait, I, oh, I'm actually really hungry or I'm like really angry, but I'm angry not at you. It's actually a whole bunch of other things that I have to figure out on my own. And so we're in this space of recognizing like all I keep hearing and what you're saying is this piece on ownership, right? Like taking, like owning how you're feeling, what your responsibilities are and asking for support. Cause there's going to be times in any relationship, like there are times I have to ask for more support. And there's sometimes my husband needs more and that's just where we're at. But I hear this ownership piece of recognizing that it's like my responsibility for how I choose to show up. Yeah. I forgot who told it to me uh, or shared it with me. Uh, but obviously the guy was very smart uh, <laughs> or lady. Uh, it, it was that, you know, wherever I go, there I am. And, you know, yeah. just hearing that and, you know, I can't control the things that other people are doing or thinking. I can only control what I do, what I think, what I believe in. Yeah. And, you know, having that reinforced in my lifetime. And again, it, it just, every time I've taken ownership for how I'm going to respond to a situation, how I'm going to, you know, chart the course of my life. I've seen good things come out of that. And I think that it even goes as far back as when I was like 14 years old that, you know, seeing in my extended family, divorce was kind of a big thing when I was growing up. Uh, my parents split up when I was 11. Uh, a couple of other uncles, they got divorced when I was the same age. So there was like a group of us always coming to my grandparents' house where, you know, these three or four dads are just having their lives fall apart on them. And of course, then the kids, we're all, you know, Gen Xers left to fend for ourselves. And we're almost like Lord of the Flies in a way. And, uh, I, I just started to realize that nobody in this family had a sense of ownership over their lives that, you know, the divorces happened to me, you know, in a sense. And, you know, so I'm just kind of doomed to not love or be loved. And I'm like, wow, that's you know, like nobody's reflecting on like what they, had brought like, cause I know that uncle there is abusive AF. Like, <laughs> like he's a jerk. And I know this cause he's bullying me. <laughs> and, uh, and I know my dad is like the complete opposite, but they both got divorced for some reason. There was something that they were bringing or not bringing to the table. And, you know, no one's asking why no one's really asking why, like my dad still to this day, he's in his seventies and he still blames somebody else for them getting divorced. And, and ultimately, I mean, there are many other people involved who made decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, my dad also kind of created this field where there was doubt. You know, my mom had some doubts. She had insecurities. And my dad did not know how to um, 
make her feel safe and make her feel loved. And, and, you know, he loves her and he still to this day, he loves her. Um, but he just didn't know how to express it. And so somebody else comes along and just like plants all the right seeds in those insecurities and, yeah, you know, now there's an affair and divorce. And (laughs) so, um, but yeah, seeing that, you know, being bullied at a young age, seeing people just kind of like, you know, there's no point in going to school because, you know, a diploma is not going to get you a good job. You know, um, you know, you're just going to be working for the man. You're going to be working for some jerk who's college educated. Like it was just like, everything was, woe is me. It's somebody else's fault. And I just thought there's gotta be a better way to life than how they all see life. Like they all see life happening to them. Somebody else is taking advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like I had teachers who were really big on grow yourself learn uh, i think i wouldn't uh oh gosh uh what words were those <laughs> uh, this was a little bit later after i was 14 but uh my junior year uh, mr jones was really big on i have three rules to live by respect everybody uh and always keep learning and remember the first two rules and i was like i can remember that and you know i'm not gonna tell you how long i've been out of high school but i still remember those rules and it was just always big on keep learning, keep growing. Cause if you're not growing, you're dying. And I thought yep. this guy is brilliant. Uh, you know, seeing families that were thriving and, you know, even though my family didn't thrive when I was younger, I, I got to see examples of other families that were thriving. I got to see people who were going off to college and fulfilling their dreams and making contributions to society. Um, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking there's a better way because I'm seeing people around me having that better way. And they're even sharing with me how they're getting there. Uh, all I got to do is pay attention and maybe copy a few of them and, you know, kind of make my own life out of that. And, um, yeah, I got to be the first to go to college and graduate in my family. And I, I went as a pre-med student. I le- later learned that was my mom's dream, not mine. Kind uh, kind of my wife and I laugh about, you know, geez, what would have happened if you listened to your faculty advisor who picked up on this trend when you were still just a sophomore in college or even a junior? I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have joined the army out of desperation <laughs> and we would not have met and we wouldn't have our son and daughter. And she's like, well, I mean, we'd still have a son, but yeah, I was like, ouch. Uh, yeah, different story. But anyway, um, it's, it's just- interesting, right? When you start to look at those pieces and how they come together. And I think it's, um, I, one of the things that I love, and I've been saying it a lot lately, but I really, I feel it deep down is I love that you are continuing to open up conversations where you're creating space and permission for other men to do the same. And I, I just really feel like, like this has been like times are changing and I love it. I absolutely, they are really changing because, you know, over the last couple of years, I heard Lewis house speak at an event in 2018 school of greatness. His podcast is fantastic. I was so blessed to hear him speak. And he actually spoke at an event with almost 600 women. And the thing about his talk was, I'll never forget it is the fact that like, look around the room, Women are great at creating environments where you can all come show up, be seen. It's safe. You can, you know, put yourself in this container. It's amazing. This doesn't exist for men yet. It doesn't exist. And this was like five years ago. He goes, it's, it's going to take, and I love how he spun it, but it's going to take how many moms in here have boys and like all our hands, a bunch of hands go up. And he's like, 
you're doing this for future generations of men too, not just women. And I will never forget that. Like, I just thought that was such a powerful thing. So I'm one who's been in a space of like, let's invite more men to the conversation. Let's have these kind of real conversations because you're opening up doors for other men to do the same. And I mean, in the last couple of months, I've had more men reach out about support and coaching and mentoring than women. And I love it. Like, I absolutely love it because it's just, this is how we're going to create long lasting change. This is not about women making the change so that they can carry more responsibility and that it's your job to get the whole relationship fixed. It's like, it takes two. And so I love, I love that you're having these conversations and again, opening up doors for other men to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think a big part of my passion behind that is, you know, I, now I hear men say this time and again that, you know, we're, we're told all the time what men cannot be. We can't be this. We can't be tough. We can't be strong. You know, like all the things that men have identified with as being manly, uh, or part of manhood or masculinity. And it's like, those things are still there. You know, we're still expected to have some form of strength, but strength isn't how many beers I can drink on a Friday night. You know, that that's a teenage boy thing. You know, like (laughs) strength isn't how much I can bench press strength isn't how much I can pummel somebody's face in or how many rounds I can shoot. That's what we've been told through movies and messaging and, you know, other men who really didn't know how to get in touch with like their emotional side. But if you think about strength from, you know, a relationship's perspective, strength is, you know, the courage to get humble when you screw up and be real with your kids, be real with your wife, your spouse, your partner. Um, you know, that's strength. You know, strength is when you have that temptation to not be faithful to your family, you choose your family over whatever temptation you've got in front of you. That's strength. And, and you choose it without any regret. Like, oh man, you know, uh, she was so hot. I should have just gone after her. No one would have known. And, you know, I was a sissy and I, I passed on it. It's like, no, you were strong. You remembered your values. You remembered your who, who mattered more to you yeah. and you didn't risk it. You know, that is strength. And, um, you know, just letting men like reframe that and, and realize there's strength in vulnerability. Um, there's strength in, you know, making choices that strengthen the relationships that matter more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's strength in telling your boss, I'm sorry, I can't come into work this weekend. Why? It's my daughter's birthday weekend. Um, uh, it might cost you your job. That's okay. <laughs> like, it, it, uh, yes. And it, yeah. like, I could go down a whole rabbit hole with this one, but that's definitely like that is, those are some of the lessons like we had to learn even when our kids were younger. It was like, okay, this is it, it again, going back to values, right? Like in values and what's important for you. And so if, if you are two people where, you know, obviously you want, you know, freedom and safety and being able to have, you know, your lives, et cetera, but does it require so much work so much that you're never home? Like it's never a, we had a time, I remember when our kids were quite young and my husband had a job. He was commuting back and forth to Toronto. He was gone. I don't even know. He was gone so much. It wasn't even funny. And my kids ended up being in the hospital. Like our kids ended up being in the hospital in a span of like in one month. I think they were in like three times each and not minor things. And I remember saying that, you know, like it's a Sunday and you're still going to like, I like this, this is not what I want for my life. This is not what I want for my life. And I remember having a moment. No, I'm sharing, but I'm just going to share it. But I remember having a moment. This is the point about the conversation. Every part of me wanted to be angry and say, 
This is not what I want. I remember saying, you know what? I'm, you're teaching me how to do this on my own. And so I am learning how to do it on my own. So if this is how the path we're going to continue, don't be surprised if one day it's like, it's just easier to do it on my own. It's not what I want, but it's what we're doing. We're choosing and the job isn't even that important. It's like literally killing you. So what are we doing? And we had that very in-depth conversation. And I remember saying, he's like, are you asking me to quit? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm asking you to decide what you want. And it was very, and most empowering, right? As opposed to, don't need to like masculate a man in order to make him make a decision. Cause what good is that going to do if he's never making the one he wants? And it was a very powerful shift for us. Cause I remember him coming back and saying like within two weeks, he's like, I had no idea. Like I was so engrossed in the job. Didn't even know, but that's the power of having those conversations, those real conversations, not like yelling at each other, telling each other what to do. Yeah. And it takes a lot of strength to listen to what's coming at you from your partner that, you know, and she's telling you, I'm learning to do this alone. I am uh, pretty much raising the family on my own. Uh, where do you want to be involved in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it takes strength to realize, oh, shoot, I am repeating the pattern. I yeah. told myself I wanted to break. And, yeah. uh, you know, my wife and I had similar conversations like that, you know, like, you know, she sometimes referred to our kids as her kids. I'm like, mine too. <laughs> She's like, yeah. well, I'd love you to be involved. Here are some boundaries we got to keep with how we raise our kids. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And she's like, great. However, the way you're showing up is not that. I was like, huh? And so that was like that, uh, like that realization that what I thought was, uh, what I thought I was bringing to the table was not what I was really bringing to the table. And, and to take that step back and realize, oh, wow. Um, no, I, I want to bring that to the table, not this thing I actually am bringing. Uh, that took a lot of work. And, you know, I, if anybody says it looks like I, I did it naturally, thanks. <laughs> uh, you're seeing the byproduct. You're not seeing the, the actual effort that went in there. And, and my wife would tell you, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, he, he had to work. I love that you said that because you're seeing the byproduct. I can't even tell you how many people said, I, I can't. You're so lucky. I'm like, it has never happened by accident. It has never happened by, I, I'm grateful but it has never happened by accident. And I think that that's a really important piece. So as you were sharing so much about going through this, like this became, like you left that job, this became your business, and yeah. then, right? Like, so this is, I think this is really cool. So tell everybody what you do now. Yeah. So I started a company called BTR Impact that uh, helps uh, specifically leaders. Uh, I, I finally honed it in. Uh Servant leaders, so people leaders, mm-hmm. uh, lead in such a way that they're expelling any employee dissatisfaction that's going on, that they're stemming that turnover that they're experiencing in their organization. But what I'm really teaching them are some principles around servant leadership. So how do you meet the needs of your employees and bring this whole person approach to how you lead so that they feel cared about at work? Uh, they are truly having the flexibility and the, the work-life balance they need and desire. And at the same time, because you're, you're leading people to grow them, you also get to take time off and enjoy a two week vacation without having to call it, like get a call every single day while you're on vacation because you've equipped and empowered people to go and do that. So that was really a three year plan. Like three years from now, I was going to pull this together and start something like this. And when I quit my job and decided I was going to take three months off, 
that became the, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> and, uh, so BTR impact is the, that it's the leadership development side, uh, of things. And then it's also the business side of beyond the rut. So encouraging people to really look at their lives with those five F's. Uh, you could take this into your leadership career as well. Um, you know, how am I bringing myself to work as well as home? You know, all, cause where, again, wherever you go, there you are. And anybody who thinks they can compartmentalize a work personality, and a home personality, it's only a matter of time when that barrier falls apart mm-hmm. and you, whatever side is toxic is going to ruin the other side. And, and you don't want that. Just be you, be the person you are meant to be, uh, be a positive impact in every area of your life. And so that, that's, yes, <laughs> that's, that's what I've been up to the past few months. I love that. That's awesome. Well, congrats on that because I think that's where you say, like, that's where your wife says, I got my husband back. Like I've got, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. We can create what we're here to do. And when you share, I think it's just really important if for somebody who's listening, because we can all relate to feeling stuck in a rut. Like I think every single human, and I think that there's a lot of humans who don't feel stuck in the rut. They Maybe they feel like they've never been out of the rut. So speak to them. How do I get myself out of a rut? Yeah. And- and I talk about this in my book that, you know, there's some mindsets that we've adopted that, you know, simply aren't true. That, you know, that rut that we feel we're stuck in, you know, we think it's going to take insurmountable effort to get out of there. Uh, the reality is a rut is not very deep. You know, it's, you know, I do a lot of hiking. So, uh, your, your trail is essentially a rut. You know, people have kind of worn the path and, uh, if you have horses on the trail, it gets a little bit deeper and, and so you get some deeper ruts. Uh, and we think that we can never deviate from this rut or this path in front of us. Uh, and the reality is all, all, all it takes is for you to look up and look forward and just kind of see like what else is out there. Um, what is it I really want to do in my life compared to where I am right now? And then the moment you start to decide what are the action steps I need to take to get to where I really want to be, uh, whether it's uh, in my career, uh, whether it's work-life balance, uh, whether it's pursuing a promotion that also allows you the time to have your family with you, putting up boundaries at work or at home or both, um, putting up boundaries at church, you know, that I, for anybody who's listening who goes to church and you feel overwhelmed that you're always got to volunteer. Now there are plenty of people going there. Let, let, free up some space. Let somebody else volunteer. Um, and that's coming from personal experience. <laughs> you know, step down, let somebody else take, you know, somebody will step in and fill that spot in and you're blessing somebody else that way. But yeah, put those boundaries in and, and just take that first step and you'll, you'll realize, wow, that wasn't so hard. Uh, and then the trick is you take another one and another one and another one before you know it, you're on your own path to do the thing you want to do that has meaning for you. And it's success that you've defined for yourself, uh, with, with your, your guardrails, things I'll always do, things I'll never do. This is how I know I'm working on the right track. Here's how I know I'm not. Um, who's going to be with you as you take this journey? You know, for me right now, it's my wife, my wife and I talking through, I've officially made her my business partner, by the way. She, you know, Texas is like a common property state, I guess. So no matter what, half the business was hers anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I put it in the documents, the founding documents. She's 50% owner. I'm 50% owner. And I think somebody tried to correct me and say, well, shouldn't one of you be 51% owner? And I'm like, no, because that means one of us is the boss of the other. Like, She has enough veto power to stop me in my tracks. If I'm about to take the company in a direction she's not comfortable with, 
she can say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with that. And that is 50% of the vote that says no. <laughs> and we don't have a yes. And, and so now it's like, okay, great. Now we got to talk about this. Uh, doing that alone in just the past, uh, what we're recording this early May in just the past four months, she has saved us probably tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> just, oh, wow. Well, good for you. Like, no, I yeah. love this, right? This is like the, you don't have to have all the answers and like she can have a, a very different perspective on some things that you might think is a great idea. And then all of a sudden it's like, but did you think of this? And it's like, Oh, I guess I hadn't thought of that. Like, it's just little being able to bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause I'm Mr. Shiny object guy. You know, I'm like, Oh wow. If I had that certification, I could use these assessments and I could do this, this, and this. I, hey, Liv, uh, for $4,000, I can get certified in this thing and I can get these assessments at this much per assessment. She's like, do you have any clients that actually want that right now? No, but if I had the certification, I would. She goes, really? Have you marketed that this is what you're going to do? I'm like, no. Is this all you want to do? I'm like, no. <laughs> she's like, so why do you want to do that? I'm like, Never mind. easy. And she's like, well, the moment you get a client that wants that specific assessment, then yes, go for it, get it. And then yeah. let that client kind of pay for that, you know, so make sure you charge enough to pay for the certification. I was like, okay, cool. It's been four months. Nobody's come forward. In fact, that conversation in particular I'm thinking about uh, was seven months ago. <laughs> seven months later, zero people have told me they're interested in that, that assessment. And I've, I've offered it up and they're like, no, I, that, we've already done that. I'm like, oh, wow. I almost threw like thousands of dollars out there. And then another one came along. Ooh, I could do this and live. It's on sale. And she's like, they're always on sale. I'm like, no, they're yes, they are. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, this is the normal price, but if you sign up right now, it's $2,000 off. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. They always say that, don't they? Marketing. Like it's literally, it's just literally. And I mean, it's, this is a really important piece because I think even in business, it's like, I actually can get very swayed easily and it's like, nope, shiny object. That's not the direction I'm going. That's not what I want to do right now. Like it's just, it's, so I've actually even social media wise, I've muted a lot of accounts. Like I am just in a, if I catch myself scrolling, it's like, no, 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 you got to You got to stay in your lane because that's, I mean, those devices are meant for you to be on them for hours at a time. Oh, yeah. That's what they're built for. They're like built for you to see they, they want you there longer. So it is, um, it's just being super mindful. Like, is that serving what I'm doing with my, like with my business and where I want to go? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Dopamine is powerful. (laughs) It does. Doesn't it? It does. It does. Where, where is the best place for people to connect, follow you, learn more about you, podcasts, whatever, all the things. Yeah. Uh, if you're just interested in following the podcast, uh, beyond the rut.com is where I've housed that show for gosh, a really long time. <laughs> so you'll find episodes there. You can sign up for the email newsletter there. Uh, if you want a workbook to help guide you through designing your own life for success, uh, I've got a free workbook in there somewhere. Um, what else? What else? And then you can get information about my book. Uh, so I wrote a book, Beyond the Rut, uh, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, and Career. So everything we've been talking about summed up in a quick read, 126 pages. It's on Amazon. So it's an ebook. It's a paperback. Uh, if you like having the audiobook, yeah, it's for sale. But if you get either of those other books, I give the audiobook for away for free. Uh, and if you want the audiobook right now, it's beyondtherut.com slash audiobook. Uh, it's just quick and easy listen. You get to hear my voice again if you like the voice. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a dork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
like podcasters, we talk a lot, right? Like, we, yeah, we do. We do. We, we, we talk a lot. Yeah. And then we, we get microphones to make it sound cooler. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an addicting. I mean, you've been in this for a while too, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what else can I upgrade? And, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, so th- that's where you'll find all the things is beyond the rut.com. I think that even links into at some point, uh, my business page, BTR impact. And then I'm on LinkedIn. So if you, you want to talk more about leadership development, find me on LinkedIn, Jerry Dugan. Um, I, I'm one of like 40 of them, but I mean, You'll see beyond the rut attached to my name. <laughs> okay, so it's a popular name. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a guy. He's out of Las Vegas. Very good video director. Uh, he's got JerryDugan.com. So if you if you want somebody to like direct a commercial for you or a like straight to streaming type of movie, uh, or give the guy a big break and get him for an A list type of movie, Jerry Dugan, the videographer guy. He's there he's good. Go. Yeah, he's not letting go of that domain anytime soon. <laughs> I'm sure he's not. I'm sure. I don't have to worry about that with my name. I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah. I've got yeah. the name, so I'm good. Um oh, this is honestly thank you so much for being here and for sharing everything that you have. Um it's just been a really heartfelt conversation that I love and appreciate because I again, I love seeing more and more men coming into this space and sharing and showing others what is possible. So I absolutely love it and have loved having you here and have one more question for you. Yeah. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh man. Um it's kind of weird. Um it was a drill sergeant yelling at me in fact. <laughs> Uh, and it, so this is like in the first week of basic training. Uh, I'm tired. Everybody's tired. And whenever a drill sergeant walked out, you had to yell at ease. Everybody stands up at parade rest, hands behind their back kind of thing. Uh, and it, it's like four 30 in the morning and some drill sergeant came in, didn't know who the guy was. Somebody yelled at ease. Everybody got up and I was still waking up and I looked up at the guy and it took a moment for it to click. That's a drill sergeant. I should be up like everybody else. And my body just would not move fast enough to get there. Well, he watched the whole thing unfold. So it wasn't like I tricked him like, oh, he, he didn't see it happen. He, he saw the whole thing unfold. Mr. Jerry Dugan sitting there on his bed, not moving. Uh, and he just beelined straight up to me. And he was like, what's wrong with you? Are you hurt? I said, no, drill sergeant. And he's like, so you're special. No, drill sergeant. Uh, so what makes you think you can kind of stand up at your own pace when everybody else got up and did the right thing? And the only thing I could think of was the excuse of, I'm just, I was tired, drill sergeant. I'm sorry. And he said, so effing what? Everybody in this room is tired. And you got Mr. Energetic me in your face. I was up two hours ago, ready to go. So don't ever feel sorry for yourself. And he stormed off. And I was like, huh? Huh? And that was pretty much the last moment I felt sorry for myself in my life. I was 23 years old and, and it just always sticks. It's like, yeah, I'm tired. Acknowledge it, own it. Um, but so what? The world's not going to wait for you. Get up and get moving. Um, yeah, I screwed up as a dad. Own that. Uh, go apologize to him. Save that, save that relationship. That relationship is far more important than you being right. Um, you know, hey, your family's at stake quit the job. <laughs> you know, like if nothing's changing at work and your boundaries and your values are not being respected, then you got to go. Uh, because it's not your job at that point to fix whatever's going on in there. Um, you know, it's just knowing who you are, knowing what you're going to own, which is yourself and how you're going to show up in the world. All that, um, I think that's solidified for me in that moment of 
I feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to stand up. And this drill sergeant saying, so what? Um, we're all tired. We're all going through the same world you are. It's like, wow, that's. Oh, I, I love that answer. Thank you for sharing that story with us because it's, again, I can't tell you how many times people's answers when I ask them that lesson, it's like one lesson that has carried through with them in other areas of their life. Or sometimes it was like one of the hardest moments that they walked through, but the lesson has stuck with them in so many different ways. And I mean, I love, as you share that, like know who you are, no, um, well, no one's coming. I always think back to Mel Robbins is always like, nobody's coming. Like no one's coming to fix it. Like it's no one's coming to save the day. You have to show up every day as an active participant in your life. Then sometimes things will happen that are like, oh, wow, like that actually changed. Like a lot of things can change, but you still have to be a very active participant in your life for those things to happen. Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Marsha. It, it was awesome being here. <laughs> I love the conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Mm-hmm.